into the contest. It's Monday the 2nd of August. Welcome to our Afternoon Sport Deep Dive. I'm Tim Gilbert. I'm joined by Shane Lee. Now, Shane, uh, you've been watching some of the Olympics in an interesting modern-day form on a Zoom chat with other blokes. Tell us about what's been going on. Yeah, a few of my mates, we got on the Zoom and we're watching, uh, having a few beers and, and watching the Olympics. And I've realised that um, even though a lot of my mates or a lot of people out there haven't done any of these Olympic sports, like running or, or javelin or whatever, since they were at school... Everyone's a bloody expert, mate. And, um, you know, I was just making sure I was just – if you just speak in a factual tone of voice um, and speak with confidence, people believe whatever you say. Oh, it's hilarious. Oh, it's interesting, isn't it? The old lounge <laughs> warriors. Uh, look, State of Origin jersey, we have it up for grabs. We're in the final days of that. So uh, follow us on Twitter, Afternoon Sport on Twitter or on Facebook, and you could win a signed New South Wales jersey. We have a jam-packed show today. We have former Matilda and coach of the Western Sydney Wanderers women's team, Kath Canuli, former AFL champion Corey McKernan, and Drew Jones from Fox Sports News. He's our man on the ground in Tokyo. Well, what an exciting time for Australian football in this country, in particular women's soccer, because we play Sweden tonight in a semi-final of the Olympic Games, and it's great to have former Matilda and new coach of the Western Sydney Wanderers women's team, Kath Canuli. Kath, it's exciting. Yeah, it's very exciting. Um, history has been broken again um, for, for the Matildas, which is fantastic. And it's just something that, you know, all young kids in Australia will never forget this moment. Look, I agree. And if you look at the uh, the Matildas um, team all around the paddock, there's some superstars. Um, you know, Kerr and, and Keir Simon get, get a lot of mentions, but there's a lot of other really good players there that are um, contributing in a big way, aren't they? Yeah, of course. You know, there's a lot of um, players that have been there for a long time, you know, Tamika Yallop. Mm. Um, Claire Polkinghorn, uh, Alana Kennedy. It's it's fantastic to see these girls come into like their third or fourth tournament with the Matildas, and and the best thing about it is that most of them are still under thirty. Yeah, and, and players like like who are particularly young, like Ellie Carpenter. Her defence has been just brilliant, and a lot of people who don't follow the game or watch the game that closely don't pick up on it. But she's been phenomenal. Yeah, she has. Ellie's come such a long way from um, her debut with the Matildas, um, which was well, not that long ago. But um, I think playing her trade the last 12 months in France really has taken her game to the next level. Now, Kath, semifinals, um, Australia take on Sweden, as Timmy said, uh, and the other one, the USA take on Canada. Crystal ball, what are you seeing? I think I'm seeing the Aussies go through – They've just had so much um, confidence in that last game and, and that's something that the Matures really, really thrive mm. on. Um, they take the confidence. They, they really take that in their stride. They push on. They've got that never-say-die um, attitude and, and the way they finished the game the other night, I think will really push them on to come into a, a final spot. They're so close um, and I, I can see them pushing on on top yeah. of Sweden and I think Canada's going to get over the USA. Ooh. I really do. USA haven't been looking great in this tournament um, and Canada's going to be really, really hungry to get something over them. Kath, tell us about the balance of a team. As a coach, and you've been a coach for a while now, of course, played for a long time. This Australian women's team, just as we've been discussing, has got that balance. And one of the classic examples of that was when Mary Fowler came on and banged that goal in. You've just got it coming at every level. And when you've got momentum, very hard to beat. Yeah, it is. You know, we've got a lot of um, firepower on the bench, not just Mary Fowler, but Kyra Cooney-Cross as well. 
Um, but the balance is is massive, and if you don't start playing with that balance now, especially when you're you're getting deeper into the tournament, um, it's very important to have trust in in your bench. Um, and and Tony had that, and he's he's gambled with putting on Mary and Kyra, and and look at what Mary did. You know, who knows? Maybe an experienced player might not have taken that shot in front of goal, where she was just. Um, you know, ruthless in front of goal. She's had that hit. It's taken the deflection and, and away we go. We get the momentum in that game. Yeah, how good was it? Now, just quickly looking at the men's semifinals, Mexico take on Brazil, um, Japan take on Spain. A promoter's dream would say the Japanese will play Brazil in the final. That would be uh, an absolute ball terror to watch. Yeah, that would be amazing. Um, I'm absolutely loving watching Spain play and, and mm. to know that, you know, five or six of those players have come from the Euros down to the Olympics is is unbelievable. Can't wait to see what this team can do mm. um, at, at the next World Cup, to be honest. And, Kathy, you're, you're busy. Obviously, you've got your little one and you've taken on the big job at the Wanderers. You're coaching uh, the women's team head coach. It's exciting. Congratulations. But uh, what's happening at the moment? We're not too far away, are we? No, we're not too far away. Um, the season just got announced a couple of days ago, which is um, which is great. Let's just hope the situation that we're in at the moment um, goes away very quickly, so we can get the the preseason everything underway. Um, look, a lot of recruiting, a lot of things from from my computer, from my from my home office at the moment. Yes, I'd love to be doing a lot of things face to face, but. Um, unfortunately, it is what it is, and and just a lot of recruiting, a lot of a lot of zooming at the moment. <laughs> and Kath, I know, um, I know, I've got little ones myself, and I know uh, you're going to be working harder with the drills at home than you will be with the with the girls at the Wanderers. But uh, good luck with that, anyway. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> and it's uh, just finally, it's amazing how the women's game has just kicked on, and we need to keep mentioning this because it remembers the past when things weren't that easy, Kath. And I know that you and I have discussed this elsewhere, where you guys had to go and change behind a partition. There were no change rooms, no dressing rooms, no money, no nothing. And now we've got um, our women's team on the world stage heading towards a World Cup in 2023. Yeah, it's unbelievable um, to think that we're in the position that we are today. Um, if I thought about this about even 10 years ago, I never thought that we would be in this position. Um, these girls have just got to be really grateful for what they've got. And I think just the young girls coming through, it's just it's amazing that they can see that they can have a future in women's football, you know, being a Matilda, playing overseas, um, going through the college system, whatever it is, the world's at their feet. And that, for me, is the most important thing. Um, I think somebody also asked me about what's the best thing about being um, the Wanderers coach. And again, for me, it's for, for young girls that, you know, don't want to be a, a player, but want to take the coaching side of things. If you, you can't be what you can't see. So for me, being the head coach of, of the Western Sydney Wanderers now, um, allows young females to see that they can have a career in football, whether it be playing, coaching or administrating. Yeah, well said, Kath. And look, women's sport is is moving on leaps and bounds and um, they're in really good hands there with yourself. Oh, absolutely. Go the Thank mighty, you. mighty, mighty Western Sydney Wanderers. Kath does an amazing job. Uh, all the best for the season and uh, we look forward to chatting with you real soon again here. Thank you very much. Coming up on Afternoon Sport, two-time Premiership player with North Melbourne, it's Corey McKernan. Follow and subscribe to Sportonomic. Venture with me, Reese Lenarduzzi, and other industry experts and key players beyond the mere headlines and into the depths of sports business, law, economics, and finance. Find Sportonomic on your favourite podcast app now. Sportonomic, sponsored by Athlon Partners. Come find out about the emerging universe of sports capital at athlonpartners.com.
All right, time to talk AFL. It's, look, the logistics of the whole thing's not all that easy. We've got two-time Premiership player Corey McKernan on just getting these games played, Corey. Yeah, it's amazing. We uh, we seem to be putting many fingers in the dam before it bursts, but uh, they're somehow getting games away. Mate, let's start with uh, the Sydney Swans. They were exceptional yesterday, I thought, against Essendon, uh, winning 109 to 102. Um, Papley, brilliant with four goals, but yeah, the Swannies are showing some real fight. They should should finish top four now. Yeah, it's it's not only that, but it's you, you think about it as we just touched on in the opening. Like the Swans at the moment, they they probably haven't been home for a couple of months. Mm. Well, they were going to play that game on the on on the um, on, in Queensland. Then the other thing I'm led to believe, I'm pretty sure a lot of the players' families actually flew to Queensland, and so they could be around them. And then all of a sudden. Got turned up and yeah, it was probably my the the game of the round and and probably yeah. was wasn't he special? Yeah, he was. What about Richmond? Has it uh, has it ended for Richmond? Uh, a lot of people wrote him off yesterday. Said, well, that's the end. So there were flickers of hope. Of course, no, Dusty. But uh, that loss yesterday was a narrow one. But it's hard to see them making any impact later in the year. You know what? It was it was games like yesterday where over the last four or five years that Richmond had this in like this sort of undefinable thing their will to win was so great in those games over the last four or five years and that's the thing I sort of noticed was missing a little bit yesterday was just that they'd find a way they'd become like a bit of a tsunami in a game and they'd find a way to to win the game but I think also too full credit to Fremantle and Justin Longmuir I think he's done a fantastic job going over there rebuilding the list and they've got a lot a lot to look forward to they won't they won't go that far in the finals if they make it but I think they're, they're looking pretty good for the future, Fremantle. Well, I'll tell you, a team that finds a way finds a way to lose and 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 create a, a really ordinary season is GWS, mate. They they promise the world and deliver an atlas once again. Port looked very good in the weekend. I must admit, hundred to seventy three GWS, but mate, the, the wheels are falling off again. There, they, they should be performing a lot better by now. Look, they've had an up and down year. It just seems like when we write them off and we and we speak of them like <laughs> like you are now, <laughs> that the following week they they tend to come back and. And perform really well. Look, I, I, I went into that game yesterday. I did expect them to win because I thought it was one of their best teams on paper for the year. Mm. Never mind, I did uh, I did also back them. I will declare an interest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, look, it, it, it's, it's as you said too. I think it really comes down to we seem to, yeah, we have this opinion of them afterwards and we get stuck into them. And then the following weeks or whatever, then they, they turn out a really good performance. Now, Corey, just, just turning away from AFL, well, it's, it's in AFL as well, of course. The, the mental health battle, it's become a, a big story, hasn't it, worldwide? We've seen Simone Bowles, the gymnast, um, not compete in Tokyo or, or, or cancel her events. We've seen uh, Stokes, of course, in, in England say that I'm going to take a, a break, Naomi Osaka. Uh, it's really bubbling to the surface. Yeah, it is. And then, look, we obviously we had a chat on Sky News about, um, uh, yeah, in terms of mental health. The one, the ones that I'd be concerned about are uh, the athletes that are actually going to be returning from the Olympics. Like, if you've had a great Olympics, well, you know, I mean, you're spending a lot of alone time in your room for a couple of weeks, but I'd be more pretty concerned about the athletes that are coming back. And if you, you haven't had a particularly great Olympics and you've got two weeks in a hotel room on your, on your own, it's... It's not really good. I hope I hope there's a lot of support going on for those guys that are coming back because they richly deserve it. It's just it's really lifted the country in terms of what the Olympics have actually actually done during a tough time. Mate, it sure has, and um, and in particular the Aussie swim team, they have been exceptional. Yeah, well, the girls they've been nothing short of amazing. Like, and it yeah. has been 
our most yeah our most successful campaign of all time and who would have thought like the Olympics are a bit of a funny thing I reckon it just seems like we're, there's so much other sport that dominates the landscape mm. that when the Olympics get here we sort of oh yeah the Olympics is here but once they were here I think everyone's been the same we just I mean you're really into it yeah and you make a very good point because generally speaking when life is normal there's ticker tape parades there's receptions there's meeting the government officials there's all sorts of functions there'll be none of that for anyone so uh yeah it's uh, something that they need really need to think about Corey, let's chat soon no problem boys have a great day coming up on afternoon sport our man on the ground in tokyo from fox sports news drew jones Our man on the ground in Tokyo, Fox Sports News, Drew Jones. Drew, how are you? Morning, boys. Going very well. Now, Drew, let's start with the swimmers. They've been outstanding. Um, Emma McEwen, um, unbelievable. She swam her way into greatness. Yeah, so it's the greatest swim team in Australian history. Nine gold medals, which overtakes 1956, their effort with eight. Uh, And Emma McEwen, now the most, uh, I guess, prolific Olympian in Australian history, 11 medals. She's up to five gold and seven medals at the Tokyo Games. Just a sensational effort. She's in really rare air, isn't she? She's mm. surpassed Ian Thorpe, Shane Gould, Liesl Jones in various records. Um, and the 27-year-old is, I guess, she's in folklore now, isn't she? Everyone knows her name. Everyone wants to be Emma McKeon. Yeah, and she only has to wait three years for the next Olympic Games in Paris, and you'd expect her to go there and and build on that. So this is a remarkable Olympic story that's playing out in front of us. And what a compelling night at the track. And I know you went there. Uh, Peter Bowl, the Australian, 800 metres, every chance of a gold medal tonight. Um, And so many other great things last night just to have – uh, a man in the 100 metre semi-finals, and to see what Brendan Stark did or Brandon Stark did in the high jump. It was awesome not on the track for Australia. It was, uh, it was you couldn't leave your TV, was it? They're just continuously events smacking you in the face. And I guess such a privilege to actually be there to see it. You know, even Liz Clay running a PB and missing out uh, on the next round of the hurdles mm. by 0.04. So those fine margins mm, yep, that we're yep. dealing with on the track. Um, I've got to say, I was just so excited to see Rowan Browning run. I spoke to him in the lead up to the Olympics. Such a, a level-headed but confident guy. Like, mm. And the way that he talks about his craft is really, really interesting. I, I, I'd compare it to the way that Aaron Finch talks, talks about cricket. You, know, you want to listen mm. to Rowan talking about um, all the intricacies of the 100-metre sprint. And he produced a, a superb performance to get through winning his heat. The, that shot of, uh, of Yoan Blake looking sideways. I'm going, who the hell is this guy? Um, the, the Jamaican, the second fastest man in history. Uh, unfortunately, he couldn't reproduce his personal best. Even that wouldn't, wouldn't have got him through to the final. Uh, but if he had have gone 10 flat or maybe 9, 9, 9, he would have got through. But obviously, we haven't had an Australian through to a, a, a final of the 100-meter sprint since 1956. So it's not one of our pet events, but mm. uh, he'll be in his prime come time for Paris uh, and the, the trajectory that he's on at the moment, he might be the next uh, Australian to go sub 10. So it's very exciting. It's very exciting. And he's, um, he speaks French. He's, he's studying law. He's a, 
Yeah, he's a real whiz kid. He just missed the start, I think. And he's um, got a mullet. He's got a mullet. Yeah, he's a fl- the flying mullet they call him. But he, he missed the start. But the, the impressive thing was he actually held his own for the rest of that race. And um, as you said, didn't run his fastest time. But yeah, he's uh, he's a real talent. Yeah, he is. And and so is Peter Bowl. Uh, that that that's a cracking story in itself. Yeah, uh, he's really come on strong in the last couple of years, hasn't he? So he's, he's run an Australian record a couple of times, one of his best mates. He, he sort of had to better on the track to get into the team. Um, and it was the first time, I think, in Australian history that we'd had three runners through to the 800-metre semifinal, which was a great effort. Uh, and then Peter Bowl blitzes his way into the final. So uh, I understand Bruce was very excited, reckons that he can win the 800-metre gold medal, um, and we're looking forward to that. It should be a cracker. Um, Drew, I was just saying, I was watching um, the Kookaburras play with, with my mates on Zoom, and uh, I had no idea, And even though everyone thought they were an expert talking about the, the actual match, but I had no idea with the penalty shootout that they actually dribbled up. But it must give the, the Kookaburras a lot of confidence going into the next round. Makes the, the shootout really exciting, doesn't it? Yeah. There's a bit more to it. Uh, like we see in the ice hockey when they do their shootout and the old MLS days in the soccer mm. Gives the uh, gives the goalie just yeah. a bit more creative license to try and get in the way, but a great effort by Charters, the Australian goaltender, to, to keep the Netherlands out, who are, uh, have always been a superpower in the hockey. So Australia through to the semi final, the Kookaburra is mm. going really well, and the Hockey Roos uh, sensational as well, unbeaten in the group stage. So going well for Australia in the field hockey thus far. Yeah, lots of our teams are doing well. The Matildas are doing well. The Stingers are doing well. So we'll watch this space with interest and try and get it all covered. And, of course, well done to Brandon Stark finishing fifth in the high jump. He, he had us on board for the whole way last night. Drew Jones, thanks, buddy. We'll talk soon. Thanks, boys. Stay safe in lockdown. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe wherever you listen. A big thank you today to Kath Canooley, to Corey McKernan and Drew Jones and our great sponsors, X-Blades. Yeah, our new wonderful sponsors, X-Blades, www.xblades.com.au. And our great producer, Mr. Dan McHugh, will be back tomorrow with your daily dose of sport. We'll see you then, guys. Take care.